Welcome to Question Period. I'm Evan Solomon. Today on the program, platform price tag. We are able to put before you a budget that is balanced in five years. The Green Party is the first to come out with fully costed and very expensive campaign promises, but do they really add up? With their polls going up, can the Green Party withstand the new scrutiny? And what else do they stand for besides the environment? Green Party leader Elizabeth May joins us in our leadership series. And then, climate competition. We will hit net zero by 2050, not only because we can, but because we must. As Prime Minister, I will establish the Green Homes Tax Credit that will allow you to lower your home's emissions through green renovations. We want to electrify all public transit by 2030. It was climate week on the campaign trail as all three major parties tried to outdo each other on the environment, promising everything from green tax credits to lowering emissions. But what's real and what's just green smog? Candidates are here to debate that, and former NDP leader Tom Mulcair weighs in on the scrum. Plus, you get a tax break, you get a free program, you get a deal. How will the parties pay for all their pocketbook promises in an election that's sounding a lot like an Oprah Winfrey show or an auction? The Scrum is here with special guest, former Harper Cabinet Minister Peter McKay. This is Question Period. Let's go get some answers. It's been essentially climate week on the campaign trail as hundreds of thousands of people in Canada marched in protests. All the party leaders, by the way, except Andrew Scheer and Maxine Bernier, that is. Parties rolled out new promises to deal with climate change. Is this a moment that will also transform the electoral fortunes of the Green Party of Canada? They released a platform this week with a staggering $70 billion of spending, which is certainly an economic climate shift, but they claim they can balance the books and even have a surplus by 2023. Does it all add up? To find out that and more, we continue our series of leader interviews with Green Party leader Elizabeth May. Welcome to the program, Elizabeth May. And i got to start with those protests. It's been a, a really dramatic week of them. Andrew Scheer did not march in them. Justin Trudeau did. Uh, many people think Mr. Trudeau should have given, uh, should not given his support of the Trans Mountain Pipeline. What do you think of their respective decisions? The problem for Justin Trudeau isn't just that he bought a pipeline, it's that they haven't budged their climate goals beyond those of Stephen Harper at exactly half of what's required. So as Greens, we're, we, you know, we won't judge people based on is this a particularly good idea, incrementally a good idea, better than the Conservatives. The point is, is it based in the science of the October 8, 2018 report of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change that tells us we must not go above 1.5 degrees Celsius global average temperature mm. increase. If it doesn't meet that bar, it's not worth looking at, which means all the other parties, unfortunately, completely fail in their response to climate okay, change so at this time. On that note, uh, if there is a minority government, you've said you might not, you would not rule, uh, you would not work with anybody who supports the Trans Mountain Pipeline, but both Mr. Scheer and Mr. Trudeau do support the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion. Could you work with them in any capacity in a minority government? If you're not committed to holding to 1.5 degrees Celsius global average temperature increase, if you're not prepared for Canada to pull our weight in a global challenge and push other countries to do the same. In other words, if you're prepared to say that my short-term political interests are more important than my children's future, guess what? You won't get green support. If you are prepared to modify your position and go to 60% cuts, which is what Greens are calling for because that's what's required, 
Well, you'll find yourself against any kind of political expectations of what happens in a minority. We'll defeat any government on the very first confidence vote if they're not committed to well, the climate action that, that's required by right. science. Well, that's an interesting green line. I don't know if that will rule out your support of someone, but we'll find out. Let's talk about your platform, $70 billion almost in, in spending on everything from a, a universal pharmacare, free post-secondary education, no more student debt, basic income. When the parliamentary budget officer uh, analyzed part of your platform, and to be fair, he's, he's analyzed more of yours than any others, um, 10 of your party's estimates are rated as having moderate uncertainty. Over 13 of them are have high uncertainty. The former parliamentary budget officer, Kevin Page, looked at your assumptions and said they fail, gave you a failing grade. You were projecting unrealistic assumptions and not credible. Will you revise your platform based on what looks like pretty damning analysis? No, I, well, it looks like it be, if it's represented in short form. We've been talking to Kevin Page, and of course, let me back up and say, the, the bands of estimates of uncertainty are the Parliamentary Budget Office own numbers. We didn't make up numbers and send them to PBO to study. We sent planks starting back in May. These are the Parliamentary Budget Office estimates of what it costs to do pharmacare. I have to say it was far more than we'd expected, and then, but fortunately we found new sources of revenue, and they've also costed those. Uh, so we have costed estimates for revenue. But, sorry, I got, I got a, Elizabeth May. The to, I, 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 I can't, sorry, no, 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 sorry. You say He's, costed sources of revenue. But with all due respect, one of them, you got $16 billion from a financial transaction tax. The PBO said it's vague. You could be two or three times either way. In other words, it's so vague as to be almost pointless to have that as a base of revenue I, because you have I no idea if you'd be able to raise that money. No, I think actually when you look at the PBO report, and what we've done here, but let's just make this point clearly, Evan, we're the first party to release a full budget. We're also the first party to release uh, all the planks that PBO analyzed for us, and we're the only party that has asked for the PBO to study as much as we did ask. A P, uh, the parliament, the uh, financial transaction tax is often known, viewers might remember it as the Tobin tax at 0.5%. It applies only to certain transactions. That's clarified, and I would know, Kevin Page, who, with whom I, for whom I have the most immense respect, it didn't didn't receive from us. That's our fault. All the background documents, our risk analysis, the baseline. So he's going over the deeper background, and I expect that we will have. But uh, it goes to, but, but to be fair, like I but know I you've had it, you've, no, you've had it, you've had them all done. But again, the PBO says the numbers don't yeah. add up. These are these are sixteen no, billion dollars. No, they don't say well, that. So, well, no, I'm going to read no, you the financial. Evan, I'm sorry, that's sorry, Elizabeth not what May. Said. The transaction tax was so vague it could be off by two or three times either way. You're, you need sixteen that's billion why we dollars pick based a number on that isn't at the high end. We pick a reasonable number given the estimates. We ask. Let me be clear to viewers. We asked PBO for what they thought would, would, what was the cost of pharmacare in their estimate? What was the cost of eliminating tuition in their estimate? And then we went with their numbers. I want to be clear about that. Any plank they studied for us, we went with their number, not our number. We originally thought pharmacare would cost $7 billion a year. They say $27 billion. Okay, we're going with their number. And same thing on the revenue side. There, is always, there are always bands of uncertainty. 
and PBO reports those. But, but, but we Elizabeth have, of course, May, these are if we were to have a recession, it would change things. These numbers are so we massive. We PBO when, numbers when, throughout okay, for the things I, I they mean, studied. You, Look, I'm just looking at what Kevin Page, the former budget watchdog, he Kevin says, these, just a second, it. just a second, he says these, he gave your, a, your platform a failing grade yep. because the fiscal assumptions and projections are off. We're talking about $70 billion. No, these are massive correct. numbers. And if you can't get those right, how are we supposed to trust you? Can I just say that Kevin Page is analyzing the numbers that it's our fault he didn't get everything at first instance. The budget was released in a simplified resume form for media. We should have given him the background assumptions, the baselines, the deeper details. And as he has those to review, I've spoken with him directly. There's no doubt. He said, look, all I said to the media was at this time, there's a lot missing. So we're, the things that were missing, don't, it's not as if they don't exist. We hadn't sent right. them to Kevin Page. So those things will be reviewed. I think you should expect in the next couple of days... A passing grade, I don't know if we'll get an A+, plus, but we're certainly not going to have the initial review that Kevin Page made, right. which was okay. based on, frankly, a very cleaned up, prettied up budget for media release. It's, well, not, it's not the depth of our budget. It's not the depth of okay. our assumptions. And I think we'll come out favorably comparable to any other party well, that doesn't want to share the numbers at all. Well, it's hard for me to argue about something I haven't seen. I can only argue with what I've seen. And if it wasn't ready, I, I, right. I imagine maybe it might have released a little later. But hang in there, Elizabeth May. We've got to take a short break. When we come back, the Green Party leader, Elizabeth May, has views on a lot of different things in the platform, including that Canada should accept environmental refugees. How many people could that be and when? Part two of our leader interview series with Elizabeth May coming up next. Question period. Stay with us. Welcome back to Question Period, a part two of our leader interview series with Green Party leader Elizabeth May. In the controversial Green Party platform, May outlines her position on everything from immigration to handguns, all key issues in the campaign. So what is the Green Party view? Let's find out. Welcome back, Elizabeth May. Uh, let's start with this. You're promising to, quote, accept an appropriate share of the world's environmental refugees. What's that number and how many, how many would that be? We have right now uh, depopulated areas across the country. If we can build up infrastructure by 2030 and 2040 to accept far more people in regions of, of, for instance, in the prairies where there are depopulated places, the, in Atlantic Canada, in northern Quebec. And of course, this requires working with provincial governments. But certainly, we'd be looking at um, tens of thousands of people to be our fair share of people who Ten, are going to be displaced, okay, no so longer able to live where they live. We, we've, this is in addition to the existing refugee policy. You'd have uh, environmental refugees. Yeah. That, so you're talking tens of thousands. 50,000, 100,000, or a vague number of 10,000? I'm just trying to figure it out. Well, this is talking about over the next several decades, not tomorrow, not even by okay. 2030. But one of the points Greens make is that we have to prepare. So in areas of the country that right now don't have the infrastructure, there are a lot of parts of Canada, as you know, where houses are cheap and communities are struggling because of depopulation. This And building up a capacity to to, do, to perform right. our fair share. Let's look at it. We're the largest, one of the largest, ge oh. by geography, one of the biggest countries in the world. By population, one of the smaller. We have an obligation. Right. We've been okay. one of the biggest polluters. We're going to have to accept more climate refugees. Okay, so uh, Elizabeth May, just for time, I want to get through some of your platforms. So let's do some rapid fire. Uh, this is an issue. Would you let former ISIS fighters back into Canada? Do you share Justin Trudeau's view that a Canadian is a Canadian is a Canadian on this? 
we'd need to know if there's, uh, the answer is it depends on the circumstance. Anyone who's been convicted of murder, of active activity, in uh, whether they're a Canadian citizen, if, they, if there's specific criminal charges against them, they can go to a jail in Canada. They don't okay. get released into our general population. Okay. Do you support a, a, a gun ban, either handguns or semi-automatic weapons, that Mr. Trudeau has now proposed? In, in urban areas, we want to ensure that we assure our rural, uh, indigenous communities where using firearms for hunting, either for subsistence or recreation, we want to reassure people that that's not up for discussion. But on handguns, the Green Party believes we should redirect the Canadian Border Services Agency to focus on smuggling. CBSA has been spending a lot of time, back to the refugee question, rooting out Canadians who don't, or residents who don't have proper citizenship papers and getting them deported. Right. That's a misdirection of their resources. They should be focused on stopping drugs at our border, stopping guns at our border, and we also want a gun buyback program so people without sanction can get money back for a weapon that shouldn't be in their hands. Uh, in the first debate, you declared that Bill 21, which is the secularization law in Quebec, was, quote, an infringement on individual human rights. Then you promised to find jobs for anyone in Quebec who couldn't find work at a government job outside of Quebec. Are you serious about that? How would you do that? Like, give bus tickets and jobs to people who leave Quebec? No, 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 no. No one should have to leave anywhere. That was a misunderstanding, and I clarified it in the scrum at the, at the claims debate. Look, this is an argument that needs to be dealt with within Quebec. So the challenges to Bill 21 being brought by Quebecers are the right way to challenge this bill. Should the federal in government the interim, challenge should it? Someone be, this is a, on this, and I think on no other issue, you find the other party leaders unified, not because we don't think Bill 21 is inappropriate and a violation of charter rights. And if we look at Indigenous peoples, a violation of Section 35 of the Constitution, for which there is no notwithstanding clause, we're looking at Bill 21 as being one of those issues that could threaten to reopen uh, Canada-Quebec friction. None of us want to mm -hmm. do that. Anybody prepared to be Prime Minister of this country needs to know that it's critical that relations with Quebec are respectful, that the government of Quebec, the National Assembly of Quebec, is respected within its areas of jurisdiction. But that doesn't mean that we're not against Bill 21. And, and if anybody's affected by it, for instance, if there's, there's an art, if someone who's not allowed to work in the Sûreté Québec because they're wearing a turban, there's probably room for them right. in Quebec, in their hometown, in the RCMP. Uh, last question. A lot of this is about trust. You're having a moment. You're up in the polls. People are taking the Green Party more seriously than I think at any time yeah. in history. And they're looking at you. Uh, you're riding the train for authenticity. Then you know this last week, you were your party photoshopped a reusable cup in your hand with a metal straw that you didn't have, and people are like, here we go again. She's just like everybody else. It's green smog. They're not being truthful. On those things, on the fiscal stuff, what do you say to people who said, oh, boy, I can't trust her anymore. She's just another politician. I am, all I can say is I regret deeply that someone in our staff thought it was a smart thing to do. It was monumentally idiotic to take, uh, if you zoom in on the original photo, it says green line, compostable cup. I, I mean, I wasn't, I would never have hidden that. I don't know why they thought it was appropriate. There was no plastic in my hands. They didn't replace a plastic straw with a metal straw. They replaced a compostable cup 
with one that had our logo and a metal straw. I don't know. I, I know they're mortified. I know they're apologetic. I, I'm not throwing anyone under a bus here. I, I think it was like, obviously, I wish they hadn't done that. I can't see a single reason to have done that because I'm transparent. I'm open. You can look through my life. You can dig through every every incident of my adolescence, if you want to go right. there. I've been working on environmental issues since 1970. I'm a zero garbage, zero plastic kind of hardcore activist. And there's nothing about me that I'd like photoshopped, except perhaps, there, this is sagging. I think I'd like some people <laughs> All right, that. I gotta ask you one, la one last question. The Globe and Mail published a story that said Andrew Scheer uh, never uh, got he never was an insurance broker. He never got licensed, which is interesting. He's often criticized Mr. Trudeau as being a teacher and therefore not having the qualifications to be a leader. Um, Mr. Shear was elected when he was only 25 years old, and he always said he worked as an insurance broker for a number of years. I guess he never got a license. Does it matter? Well, again, going to issues of credibility, it matters if you claim you have credentials you didn't have, and I say if, right? We don't know. Uh, but I've heard this for some time. I mean, Mr. Shear's pre-political background, even if he was selling insurance, is basically um, non-existent. He was elected when he was 25. I mean, you, you, between university and 25 years old, you don't have a lot of life experience in how you hold down a job, what you do if you're changing jobs, what it feels like not to have security. I mean, I, I went through a lot of my life where, especially as a single mom, I wasn't sure I could get to the end of the month and, and, and still buy groceries. And I don't think Andrew's ever had that experience because it's a lovely thing to get an MP salary. I'm really glad I started getting one eight years ago. I think we are overpaid as a group of workers, but that's my opinion. I think we're, we're here to be public servants. All right, I gotta leave it there, Elizabeth. May I appreciate you joining us today for the leadership interview. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right, coming up, it was climate week on the campaign trail, as you just saw, as all the parties are trying to woo green voters. Candidates are up next to debate who has the best plan. Stay right here with Question Period. As millions of young people took to the streets across Canada and around the world for the climate strike, politicians on the campaign trail tried to jump in front of the parade. The Liberals announced environmental protections, green home retrofit grants, and loans and a net zero emissions promise by 2050. The Conservatives also announced tax credits for green home renovation, and the NDP promised to electrify public transit, create a climate bank to fund a west-east clean energy grid and protect Canada's coastline. But who has the best plan? What is credible? Let's bring in the can some candidates to find out. Uh, Stephen Gilbo is a Liberal candidate for Quebec. John Brassard is a Conservative candidate for Ontario. And Peter Julian is an NDP candidate in British Columbia. Gents, thanks for joining us. And Mr. Gilbo, let me just start with you. After your party announced it wants to go net zero, the country to go net zero by 2050, the NDP responded, they said, you bought a pipeline. How does the Liberal Party try to lead on climate change when it spent $4.5 billion on the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion? Is that hypocrisy? I, I disagree with the pipeline. I've said it before, even if I, if I joined the Liberal Party, and I did so because when I looked at everything that had been done for $1 that's been invested in the pipeline, 
15 been in, have been invested in the fight against climate change. We've record level investment in electrification of our transportation, uh, public transit, green, uh, green infrastructure and green technologies. So n not perfect, but we've, the pollution, carbon pollution is going down in Canada and we need to do so much more and that's why I decided to jump in the, in the arena. Okay, I just want to clarify, you're, you're running for the Liberals and you think they made a mistake buying the Trans Mountain Pipeline. You don't think they should build the Trans Mountain Pipeline which is diametrically opposed to what Mr. Trudeau says, and you're a liberal. Is that fair? It is, it is, because uh, you can look at a tree and, and totally lose sight of the forest. And I've decided to look at the forest. I, I disagree with one thing, but I agree with a whole bunch of others. Okay, it's a four and a half billion thing. Uh, let, we'll talk about that in a minute. Mr. Prasad, let me talk to you. Mr. Scheer refused to march in any climate uh, protest parades. His plan for GHD uh, emission reductions has no targets and no measurements. How are we actually supposed to believe he's sincerely committed to this? Well, what you saw uh, with the uh, climate uh, uh, action that took place across Canada, Andrew was actually, instead of like the other leaders trying to climb over themselves to, to be seen at this thing. He was actually out in Vancouver making announcements that uh, were practical, that were going to have significant impacts on people's lives. As it relates to commuting, he announced four specific projects on Friday that are going to uh, uh, see them come to fruition under a conservative government. And those targets that you talk about are the exact same targets uh, in the Paris Accord. Those are targets uh, that we've committed to with our real plan for the environment. But Mr. Broussard, to be fair, you've committed to those targets, but the plan to get there has no number. So let me try a number that I've tried to get from the Conservatives. In, your, in the Conservative plan, big emitters are supposed to pay uh, into a carbon tech fund once they pass the threshold. So let me ask you, what price will your party put on carbon in order to tell them what they have to pay? You're clearly putting a price on carbon. What is it? Well, we're putting a price on carbon uh, as it relates to the amount of emissions that uh, the largest emitters uh, put uh, put out there. But so the most the important thing to understand no, but is that price? But we don't, we, we're determining, we're going to determine that. Uh, okay, Evan, so, you, but, so I, I just want to be clear. But what's important You're going to put a price here, on carbon as well. So the Liberals put a price, for, the NDP for, and the Conservatives for, will too. For the largest emitters, but that price won't be revenue that's going to go into the government coffers. And I'll remind you too that you know some of the largest uh, polluters in this country have received an exemption from the Liberals. What we're asking those companies to do is reinvest true. that into green true. tech. They did not receive an into exemption. Into green technology. No, we're asking that it be reinvested into green technology so that they can further reduce their emissions. So it's going to produce clean technology and clean jobs are going to be associated with that as well. All right, Mr. Giba, I know you want to respond, but let me just bring in quickly Peter Julia and then I'll let you all respond. Your party wants to build a clean energy corridor. Mr. Scheer wants to do the same an energy corridor, but all that depends on the promises. Why should we believe that Mr. Singh could go to Alberta, talk to Premier Jason Kenney when he's actively against all pipelines and say, please help me out on my clean energy corridor? That doesn't, what, what credibility does Mr. Singh have on that issue with someone like Mr. Kenney? 
It's, it's a question of jobs, Evan, and, and we know that with our plan, rather than building the Trans Mountain Pipeline, and the Liberals have been appallingly hypocritical about that, we would be investing $15 billion in clean energy production. That results in 300,000 jobs. And I've been into Alberta. I've spoken to oil and gas workers because I come from the industry. I used to work at the oil refinery here in Burnaby. And so when you talk about that transition to clean energy, oil and gas workers are excited too with the potential for jobs in clean energy sector as a result of establishing the grid and right. making sure we can export to the United States. Uh, is, is something that I think all Canadians can get behind. Oh. And at the same time, it helps us to deal with the climate change crisis that's upon us. Uh, Mr. Gilboy, yeah, I know you wanted to respond. The Conservatives say that you've let big emitters off the hook. What's the response? Simply not true. The federal system was based uh, on the Quebec and BC system, and they have to pay up just like everybody else. Some, some, some sectors got a, a, a little bit less intensive demand because they're, they're more trade exposed, but we did the same thing in Quebec, and our emissions are going down. No one gets a free pass, and, and they're paying. Um, I do have a question for Peter, because uh, this uh, hypocrisy, hypocrisy theory is, is interesting, because in 2015, I was on stage with Premier Nutley when she announced her climate change plan, which included a whole bunch of great things like uh, eliminating coal-fired uh, electricity, more renewables, uh, a, a cap on, on emissions from, 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 from the tar sands, a carbon, a carbon tax. But we knew she wanted a pipeline. But I still supported her because I thought that this was a real step in the right direction. And the federal NDP supported her. So what Peter is saying is that um, it's okay to support a, a government that does a lot of things we like on, on climate change, even though we disagree on one thing like the pipeline, only if it's an NDP government. But if it's, a, if it's a liberal government that does pretty much the same thing as what the NDP Alberta government was doing, then, oh, my God, what a, what a hypocrisy. I, I, have, I have trouble can, reconciling. Can, can, Mr. Can, I, can I respond, Evan? Can sure, I respond? Yeah, First off, seven, $17 billion is what the liberals want to spend of taxpayers' money. Uh, a few years ago, and, and yes, the NDP's position Peter, is evolved on this, but a few years ago, it wasn't, federal, it wasn't government taxpayers' funding going in to $17 billion for a project that actually loses jobs in British Columbia and, and so your issue increases is the, money, the cost the to our itself. economy what of climate change. It's $5 billion already. It will rise to $50 billion over the next 30 years. For liberals to uh, say... We care about the environment, so, but we want to ram through this so pipeline not, at $17 billion is ridiculous. Okay, guys, I just prefer so time. There's a lot, lot of debate. I just got to bring in Mr. Broussard. Just one thing. Mr. Shear says he could build pipelines, um, uh, this energy corridor, but he's got to go through the courts. I'm just trying to figure out what's different with the Trans Mountain. The Trans Mountain pipeline also has to go through the court, and it's being held up. Mr. Shear's criticizing it. But on the other hand, he's saying, well, the courts will determine uh, another pipeline. What would he do differently is my question. Well, I think Andrew announced very clearly what he would do differently. A national corridor, uh, he would implement a blue ribbon task force to look at all of the issues uh, that uh, need to be looked at, including indigenous issues, uh, issues related to provincial and territorial uh, autonomy, and how we can get the provinces and the territories on board. Uh, but I think it's a, a very bold, I think it's a very ambitious plan. I think it's a pragmatic plan as well. But one what's that, different? Uh, I'm not sure what's different. But what's, I mean, I know I've got a couple well, of What's it would, different? The Liberals provide, did the same it, thing for the NEB plan. What's different about this plan? But it would provide, Evan, some certainty as to where these linear routes are going to go. And those linear routes could include pipelines. They could include clean tech, uh, green energy transmission, and not just 
energy flowing west to east, but also the potential for energy to flow east to west. This task force uh, will work with right. everybody to make sure that, that this, uh, this uh, energy corridor is in place and it works for Canada with respect to okay. big energy projects. Guys, lots to discuss here. Obviously, we'll wait to see what happens in the big debate coming up. But Stephen Gilbo, John Broussard, and Peter Julian, i got to leave it there for today. I really appreciate the three of you coming in to join us. But coming up, the fire hose of political promises has just opened up. How much will these pocketbook promises actually cost you? Are you starting to drown in the deluge of your own money? The Scrum is back. Our special guest on this round will be Peter McKay. Stay right here with Question Period. So what we're going to do is plant two billion trees over the next decade in our cities and in other places that need it. With our plan, you'll be eligible to receive a 20% refundable credit on your income tax for green improvements to your homes of over $1,000 and up to $20,000. Today's announcement is a $40 million announcement to support the coastline, to support protecting salmon, to support the removal of derelict vessels, to invest in protecting this beautiful coastline. You get a car, you get a car, you get a car. Well, the saying is money talks, it's your money. And that's likely what the political leaders are hoping for because as E-Day draws closer, the mission is on to try and buy your vote. The parties have promised everything from free post-secondary education, universal pharmacare, even paying for camping according to the Liberals, but how do they plan to pay for all the political pandering? We should say that early this afternoon, after our program is broadcast, the Liberals will be releasing their, they say, costed program and platform, but they would not give us an embargoed copy for this program, so we only have a couple leaks. Are those big spending commitments just a grab bag of partisan platitudes? To talk about that and lots more, the Scrum is here. Woo! Tana McCharles, senior reporter with the Toronto Star. Bob Fife is the Globe and Mail's Ottawa bureau chief. Of course, Craig Oliver is CTV's chief political commentator. That is a patented wave. And our special guest for this round is the former Conservative Justice Minister, Peter McKay, who is in Toronto. Good morning to all of you. Let me start with you, Mr. McKay. You're probably old enough to remember things like balance budgets. Uh, this election has been like going to one of those restaurants that have like a 20-page menu that serve every kind of food, Canadian, Japanese, Italian, Chinese, and you think, can they do all this well? Do these mega promises here add up, or what do you make of it all? Well, it is exactly as you've said, like an all-you-can-eat smorgasbord. And I think people are becoming increasingly cynical. I'm glad that some of these uh, platforms will be costed by the Parliamentary Budget Office, but it all starts to sound like white noise, and the be-all to all people is, uh, is really not having the desired effect from what I'm hearing out there on the ground. And I think it, it does harken back to a different day when people talked about living within their means. They talked about balanced budgets. I mean, even the current prime minister talked about that way back in 2015. But clearly that isn't on the agenda now. It seems to be a, a rush to build up the biggest deficit possible and who can promise the most. You know, offering to pay for camping, even the, the tax breaks for, for some of the sports and recreation, um, green tax credits, it all sounds good in principle, but who pays? You've already said it, Evan. It's yeah. the taxpayer who picks up the bill. Right. It's we're, nice to order not, drinks on the house. Hearing, you can't then go to the, the bathroom. We're not hearing the word de uh, deficit anywhere these days. In that sense, no. you know, it's been something of a dispiriting campaign. It's a grubby, money-grubbing, uh, greedy 
kind of a campaign. All of the parties offering us billions, and we should make the decision on the basis not of grand visions or ideas, but on the basis of who's offering us the most money. Is that it? Well, well I, just, I just think it's interesting that we have both the Greens and the Conservatives actually saying they would balance the budget within five years with no detail on what, how yeah. on earth they would ever reach that target. Right. And, and in fact, there's a little bit more common ground between the Liberals and the Conservatives because they've both now uh, said essentially that if you limit spending growth a bit, uh, at least the Conservatives are saying that, uh, eventually the budget will balance itself. And so that, that's, that's, that's nonsensical. Everybody Everybody knows that what uh, what these costs, what these promises are going to cost, amounts to billions and billions in public spending. So at some point, someone's going to have to pay the piper. That's well, us. The politics used to be about choices, Bob. Where's the vision? Where's the vision from any of these parties? We have serious issues facing this country. We could be into a global recession next mm -hmm. year. There is nobody talking about how we would deal with that. More than important than that, artificial intelligence is coming very fast down the track. It is going to lead to a lot of unemployment. How are we going to train, retrain people who are going to lose their jobs because of AI? Nobody is talking about any of these issues. All they're doing is ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching money. Peter. Saying no doesn't have to be seen as a, as a weakness. It's actually a strength sometimes. And when you are talking about looking out for the finances of the country, Buying people's votes isn't going to do it. But on the big picture, visionary uh, ideas, the energy corridor is the only one that I've seen that emerges. And Craig Oliver will know that that's not a new idea. It, no. it goes back no. some years, in fact, to the Diefenbaker era. Yeah. But that is one that would generate a lot of money, a lot of jobs, a lot of ability, in fact, for Canada to have influence geopolitically around the world. Because if we're sending them clean, ethical oil and gas made in Canada, manufactured here, putting it into the European economy or the Asian economy, that challenges Iran, Russia, Saudi Arabia, more than anything we could do at NATO or anything we could but, do with sanctions. Peter, and an it would put Canada on track to pay for some of these things, including green technology. It's an idea that runs up into the practical reality of dealing with provinces right. and indigenous communities that don't want an energy corridor crossing their territory. So I think you've got an issue there. I mean, Quebec is not going to necessarily agree to that. Indigenous communities are not, haven't bought into that idea. Uh, I think that the proposal coming from both the Greens and the Conservatives on a national energy corridor uh, uh, run up against that reality, and and where's where where well, there does was pushback on the national railroad too, and and it got done, and it banded the country together. Well, let me talk about. Uh, we're talking about uh, Elizabeth May was on the mm -hmm. program. She's got a platform, Craig, that has got almost seventy billion dollars of spending. Uh, there's been real controversy as the former parliamentary budget officer has given her a failing grade on on this. Uh, is she ready for prime time? And because she's part of the big spending that we're talking about. Yeah, she is. Uh, and I think basically most people seem to feel that her proposal is unaffordable, maybe unsustainable. Uh, and the uh, uh, Parliamentary Budget Office was pretty hard on it. They found all kinds of holes in it. And she says, well, she's going to come back with something new. Right. But at least they're out there. They're out there in a significant way. And they're showing that they are more than well, just climate. Well, actually, I think that's a big mistake because a lot of their ideas are kooky and very, very expensive. But if she ran on only uh, saying to Canadians, I will hold whatever party is in power to clean up our environment and fighting uh, global warming, 
she would have a lot of protest voters go to her because mm -hmm. that's the issue that they care about, not whether she knows how to deal with a certain policy on social justice or whatever. Mm -hmm. And 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 she, I think she's making a mistake because she's going to turn off a lot of people who might vote for her. Uh, Tanya, you've you've uh, got a couple things, but the Liberal platform's coming out later this afternoon. We don't have all the details. There, they haven't submitted anything for costing. We don't know any tips no, on what, what we should see. Well, we're going to see some more money put out towards gun gun violence in communities, helping communities at risk. We're going to see uh, measures to help uh, first-time parents with payback student loans, interest-free on their loans. Um, there's going to be measures like that. I think they'll be sprinkling money all over, but some of their big pieces are already out. Six billion for health care, pharmacare, and right. mental health services. Another six billion in an income tax cut. So, look, how, mon how many more billions have they got in their pocket? Uh, all right, just I got a minute. Well, By the way, that, Evan, that, that gun Evan, control issue is interesting because they're clearly trying to use that as a wedge issue in the big cities. Go ahead, yeah. Peter. Evan, let's not forget that there was a lot of money. I mean, buckets, maybe canoes full of money spent prior to the kickoff of the election on September the 11th. That hasn't been calculated in either. And so all of these promises, as appealing as some may be to niche parts of the economy and groups, they do have to be costed. And the big question is, who's believable? Who's ethical? Who is more likely to follow through on some of these, uh, these ideas, these uncosted uncalculated ideas. That, I think, is part of the calculus, is believability. Yeah. I'm waiting for the Prime Minister to offer us subsidized canoes. That's what the country is. Well, does the government have business in the campgrounds of the hockey rinks of the nation? We'll have to figure that out. All right, I got to leave it there, Peter well, McKay. I appreciate it. I doubt it. I doubt that uh, the Prime Minister went uh, camping without a bodyguard and a cook when he was of age. All right, I got to I got to leave it there. Thanks, Peter McKay. The rest of the scrum is going to uh, stick you. around. But speaking of the political buffet, these guys are talking about time to get your greens. Climate promises have dominated the campaign. Will they matter at the ballot box? Question. We'll talk about that. Plus, did Andrew Shear misleadingly pad his resume? The scrum is back. Our special guest next round, Tom Mulcair. Stay right here with Question Period. <laughs> in school today, you are not at work today, because this is an emergency, and we will not be bystanders. That is, of course, the climate activist, the 16-year-old Greta Thunberg. She was in Montreal this week for that giant climate strike, half a million people in that city alone, urging politicians to take action. She met with Justin Trudeau, and she said to him, you're not doing enough to tackle climate change. The question is, is any party to talk about that as climate becomes the issue, at least this past week, on the campaign, and the latest revelation that Andrew Scheer actually never was an insurance broker, even though he repeatedly claimed to be one. Let's bring back the scrum. Tony McCharles is back, so is Bob Fife. Craig Oliver is back. Our special guest this round is former NDP leader, current CTV political commentator Tom Mulcair. Tom, great to have you back. Uh, Liberals are promising Hi. to have a net zero emissions by 2050. Justin Trudeau says he's going to plant two billion trees, uh, even though at the climate rally, by the way, it was fraught with criticism and even an attack, a protest. Um, is Justin Trudeau literally trying to duck in front of this climate parade as he tries to negotiate that and the Trans Mountain Pipeline purchase? 
There's no question that Mr. Trudeau's having trouble convincing Canadians that the best way to reduce greenhouse gases is to buy a pipeline and triple its capacity. He's got a very credible environmentalist named Stephen Gilbo running for him this time around, and he's having a heck of a hard time in Montreal trying to convince people of that as well. But at the same time, Mr. Trudeau deserves recognition for having at least shown up in the parade. Uh, of course, Elizabeth May was there. Mr. Singh was in a similar parade in Victoria. He gets a pass. Uh, and Yves-François Blanchette of the Bloc, the resurgent Bloc Québécois, was in the parade as well. Mr. Scheer skipped out on that win the way he skips out on pride parades. And he's sending a signal to Canadians who care a lot about environment and climate change or about LGBT issues that... They're not part of his universe. He's not even going to right. try to talk to them. I think that's a strategic mistake when you see 500,000 people in the street on this key issue. Uh, Craig, I know you Trudeau, wanted to weigh in, but I should just well, say Mr. Guibault was just on the program before, and what was, struck me was he openly said, I disagree with Justin Trudeau on the Trans Mountain Pipeline, which was shocking to me, but Craig, go ahead. Well, Trudeau turned the uh, march in Montreal into a liberal campaign event, uh, and, you know, you, you just have to wonder why Mr. Scheer made the decision he made, because at least he could have gone out there. If people booed him, he'd be saying, I'm standing with other Canadians and I'm not a denier. He handed the day to Trudeau. I think politically it was very damaging for Scheer to pass up on these w marches. Worse for Scheer, it wasn't a good look, but worse for him is that what he rolled out was more bridges, roads, uh, put more cars on the road mm -hmm. and let people commute more quickly. Uh, if we allow them freer transit uh, on the roads, then, you know, they won't idle their cars so much, and that's right. going to reduce our emissions. Uh, Mr. Scheer is really challenged to prove that his plan actually will achieve anything, and, and, and independent analyses are pointing that out, that he's going to miss by a long shot any targets, and he doesn't and give numbers. So yeah, and nothing could be worse them. right now when it's, it's become absolutely clear this week that climate is a ballot issue, yeah. and he finds himself, Mr. Scheer, divided from the Liberals and three other political parties. Yeah, That's well, an uphill uh, uh, struggle. Not the I, People's Party. I think uh, Mr. Scheer has handed the election uh, to the Liberals because of his failure to be, take part in, in these uh, demonstrations. Mm -hmm. These are grassroots demonstrations from young people. Nobody told them to do this. Thousands, hundreds of thousands of them showing up. And for the Liberals, for the Conservatives to win, they need to suppress that youth vote. And they have not, they're not succeeding in uh, suppressing that vote now because those kids have all come but out. But who are they going to, I guess? Well, no, that's the issue. I mean, it's, it, they're going to go to the Greens, they they're going to go to the NDP, mm -hmm. but some will go to the Liberals. Okay, well, Tom, let me come, because can, the, 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 the Green Party, and Elizabeth May was on the program, they released their platform, $70 billion. Uh, in the Nanos poll, she's neck and neck with Jagmeet Singh at around 13% for what these polls are worth at this moment. Uh, but is, does that progressive vote splinter between liberals and a surging green and the NDP? What I'm hearing the most from my students at the University of Montreal, Evan, is they don't want to see the liberals get a majority. But they don't want to see Andrew Scheer get in either because of his social and environmental policy. So it's a, it's a big battle going on right now. Don't forget, we've also got the Bloc Québécois, right, which yeah. was moribund. They were in the doldrums. And their leader, Yves-François Blanchet, is a former environment minister. He talks this issue very well. He's an experienced communicator. He did a TV panel show debate every day. He's a well-known public figure. He's down to earth. And in the areas outside of Montreal and Quebec City, Quebec City still dominated by the Conservatives. Montreal absolutely owned by the Liberals, but in all of the countryside, which wow. is still 
about 35 or 40 other seats, the block is roaring back on the backs of, of these types of issues. So keep an eye on them. This, they, it, become, they, they could wind up with they, the balance of power. Right, and they become a place where Quebec voters can park a protest vote, don't they? More than, right. yes. you know, the, the, the danger, the risk for the Liberals, I suppose, is that... Um, that voters, even if they're not soft nationalists, if, they're, if, they, uh, if they embrace the bloc's environmental platform, which it seems many in Quebec do, that's where those votes go. All right. Now, let me just move on to something else. The Globe and Mail had a, a profile of Andrew Scheer. And among the interesting things in there, it revealed that Andrew Scheer never actually was a, an insurance broker, despite the fact, and I've got his biography here. This is official. He said, before entering public life, Andrew worked in the private sector as an insurance broker, it says here. Bob. Is that the truth? Uh, no, I mean, he was not an assurance broker. Uh, the, he was a clerk, a gopher in an assurance office. He sold license plates. He was not allowed to sell insurance because the law in Saskatchewan says you have to have a license to be a broker or an agent in that province. The, the, the Sheer uh, campaign, we told them about this in August. Uh, Campbell Clark wrote this, told them in August, look, what goes on here? Because this doesn't make any sense. And they gave us the runaround, and they gave us the runaround until finally we said, we are writing this. And they, they, they then said, okay, well, he... He, he has his credentials, he has but credentials, he never got his license. Right. And, now, and then they got all upset because the liberals jumped on this. Well, I mean, the, the conservatives made a big deal about the fact that Justin Trudeau was just a teacher. Well, uh, this guy was just a clerk. And both of them are leaders of parties, and right? And so, also, Mr. Shear has spent a lifetime uh, on a government salary of <laughs> some kind or another. As Speaker, he lived in subsidized housing. So you've got to wonder if uh, <laughs> you shouldn't be throwing rocks if you're living in a glass-subsidized house. <laughs> well, uh, well, and that's well. His, the problem he's got now. He, he reminds me of Joe Clark. He's never really had a job that wasn't in the government. He was an MP at 25, I should say. Uh, Tom Mulcair, you want to weigh in? Is that? Uh, I spoke to the Conservatives after the Globe, and they said, well, you know, it's pretty common usage to call someone a broker, even though they're just a clerk. And I, no. I kind of, well, no. he wasn't a broker. What's your no, take, that's, Tom? That's, that's called inflating your CV, and it's not true, as it was just noted. Look, you can't get away with that. These are reserve titles because it's protecting the public in the area of investments. So you have to be a licensed broker, and it is about credentials, and it is about the right to use the title, and they should have come clean on it. And they should have said, oh, that's an error. We're going to correct it. But they couldn't back away from it. And that's one of the things that Mr. Shear has to be careful of. The people around him appear to be so tightly knit and believe so strongly in him, they can't admit any wrong. They should have just admitted it, changed the bio, and moved on. Last word, right. Could have, should have, would have. I mean, I bet Justin Trudeau wishes he'd also uh, owned up to a few things long before now, right? Um, but will all of that affect people's choices? I think still, I think that uh, voters, and uh, particularly young voters, are really wanting to hear about policy and issues right now. And I agree with what we said earlier. Right. I think climate change is really rising to the fore, even more than mm -hmm. some of the pocketbook issues. Well, we'll find out. I don't know if, what this election is shaping up to be, but of course, October 7th is the first English language debate. Maybe that coalesces all this stuff. Lots to watch for, but I got to leave it there today. Man, there's lots to talk about. Craig, Bob, Tanya, Tom, thanks all of you for joining us. And thanks all of you for watching. For those of you celebrating the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah, Happy New Year to you. And in seven very quick days, we'll be back here with the latest on the campaign. Thanks for watching.